Ethical disclaimer. While Diana and I are psychologists, we aren't your psychologists. Reverse psychology is not a replacement for therapy. If you're interested in speaking with a therapist, please check out some of the links in our episode description. Now, on with the show. This is my scat. Into all our turkey listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever seen a turkey live? I saw him in concert once. (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously, have you ever seen a turkey? Yeah, where where I grew up in New York. Oh, there's lots of wild wild teas. Yeah, and like the big thing I would always hear in the morning was like, oh, be be quiet. There's five turkeys in the backyard. First of all, (laughs) why do I have to be quiet in the house? Have you ever seen a turkey fly? Yeah. It's crazy. They're not very good. Science at it. cannot figure out why. Them and bumblebees. When they make that noise, it makes me laugh so hard every time. Mm. I just can't. That's their strategy. If they're about to get attacked, they make the noise and then the predator it's laughs. So dumb. I know. What a dumb bird I know. noise. What's real fast? What's the dumbest bird? On what level? Like intelligence. Um, well, if you were to, I, it's not crows because they're the smartest. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I don't they know. can capture your soul and bring it to heaven. Remember? Brandon Lee? I do. At my parents' house when the crows were so big. They're just the biggest crows. California is the biggest crows. No one talks about that. Yeah, it's the state bird. It is not the state bird. I don't know what the state bird is, but it's not the crow. What's the state bird of Florida? Hold on. Florida, state, bird, it's nude, p- loud. It's probably The northern Montana. mockingbird. That's weird. The Florida state bird is a northern mockingbird. California state bird who even cares oh the california state bird is the california quail what do you think is the dumbest bird turkeys <laughs> it's funny because we've been trying to cut down on our banter this is legitimately what mike and i talk about all day yeah these are this is typically our conversation this is the hard-hitting news <laughs> we is, need to cover this is just like us hanging out so and i hope you enjoy it we've- gq has an article called the nine lamest birds in the world um, so I just heard in a classroom the other day, there's school districts in Florida that still teach, uh, what's it called? Trail of tears. <laughs> Trail of tears. What's it called? Not evolution, evolution. Intelligent design. Yes. Intelligent design. Thank you. This kind of leads into psychology a bit. Oh, fuck. We should introduce the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. This is Reverse Psychology, the podcast. I'm Dr. Diana. I am a licensed psychologist and board certified behavior analyst. I am Dr. Mike. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and recent race winner. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Age group. Age group. I don't want to minimize, but you did amazing yesterday. I won my age group and I came in 10th overall in the race. Great job. What was your mile pace? 650. For an entire 10K. For an entire 10K. For an entire 10 kilometers. Who knows how long that is in miles. I don't know. I just run until the end. How was your race yesterday? It was okay. It was really hot and really heat sensitive. I was like really angry. The the course was very sunny with not a lot of reprieve. Mm -hmm. And I felt myself getting really angry like mile four. 
and yeah. was doing. I did too. Yeah, I was doing a lot of like distraction techniques. That would be a fun topic. We can talk about like my cog- distractions. No, just like cognitive strategies for endurance sports. That'd be good. Strategy. I, had, I had some interesting ones. So I did okay. I mean, I was hoping to do better, but um, given the circumstances. And that I threw up and peed my pants. Yeah. What techniques did your body have to dispel excess fluid? This has never happened to me before, but I was, well, this part has happened to me. I got really, really overheated. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just real heat sensitive. I'm just a sensitive little little lady. I finished the race and I was so just exhausted and overheated that I immediately walked to the bushes and puked. But also, went on the way over there, peed my pants a little bit. Oh, I, I thought it was while you were running... Like it was at the end oh, okay so in my mind no you were running and a little pee came out and no. then you puked it was just the casual walk yeah it was the casual it was after i finished and my body was just like did you get the race medal yet yeah uh that, that last time i saw you before i lost you i saw you finish i saw you get the race medal and then you vanished did and you I, see how like i was just wandering around kind of aimlessly like i was very it was I, very hard for me to know what was going on with myself i saw you have a weird interaction with the person that gave you your race medal. yeah well, it was just like, I got the 10K medal. I don't know, whatever. I was like, what's happening? And then immediately it was like, I have to stop peeing. <laughs> oh. Um, it, yeah, it was, a, it was a little traumatic. Did you change your short sense? Nope, still in them. They're still wet for some reason. that smells. Which is, you know, a lot of women who have given birth pee their pants a little bit sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not uncommon. And I have not had a child. Yeah. So I don't know what that's about. So anyways... Yeah, so it was okay. Okay. Do we have any reviews? There's a new trend on the internet amongst our fans. We've stopped getting new reviews. We've just gotten re-reviews from fans that have already reviewed, which is great. Like, we're not collecting new fans. We're just making our old fans more ingrained. Good. I love it. We do it for you guys. Honestly, we do it for our ones of thousands of listeners. I love it. So this one is a re-review from Jane's Addiction. Oh. She wrote and then she commented at some point and she's great. That sounded really sarcastic. She's no, she's she's awesome. I love all of our fans. Everything I say sounds really sarcastic. <laughs> so the the headline is the eye roll doesn't help. I want the t-shirt. Five stars. Still. So do we. I was at a conference last week and I plugged the podcast to a room full of clinicians. Aw. Please, you. please say you've had a spike in subscribers from Wisconsin and send me a t-shirt. That is totally t-shirt worthy. It is very t-shirt worthy. Have we had a spike in listeners? I should look. I'm going to look. Um, while you're doing that, I'm going to talk about the people who emailed, who have emailed or messaged us. Also, while I'm looking, thank you, Jane. And also, we had another fan that they wrote us a message and they were also like, it, it was very sweet at the very end. As an aside, they were like, also, if you ever make t-shirts and you can mail it to New Zealand, I would definitely get a t-shirt. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. So I think we should definitely. I think we should do it. I'm going to look for some loose change in the couch cushions, get some t-shirts made, and then we can start mailing them out to people. I was thinking about t-shirt design the other day and I... I one time, I think was when you and I first started dating. Did I ever tell you that one of my, what's it called when like you wouldn't date someone because of a certain thing? Kind of bitchy? No. <laughs> like, you know, like a turn off. Yeah. Or like not a red flag because that's different. I mean, like a gray flag. Yeah. One of them was guys who wear t-shirts with a little logo on the front on like the side front and the same logo on the back. Oh, Yeah. Usually it's like Howard, not Howard Johnson. <laughs> what are those? Dumb- Tommy Bahama? No. Those Big sh- dog. Big dogs? Big dogs do, do it in the dirt. 
Oh, what's the Johnson one? Oh, it's like Big Johnson. Yeah, Big Johnson. Big Johnson's hose company. What is our shirt going to look like? Well, that's that's what I was trying to think about. Like, it would be funny if I if we did that shirt. <laughs> a Big Johnson shirt? We no, just cross no. off Big Johnson right reverse psychology, but everything I else is the same. I did have a friend. This was amazing. I had a friend who, instead of getting new greeting cards, he would just keep greeting cards he had received and then um, <laughs> <laughs> repurpose them. Good. So it'd be like, he'd give you a card like from his grandma to him for his birthday yeah. and then just cross out his name and write in your name. That's amazing. <laughs> it would be like, dear crossed out whatever his name was, Diana, I really love you. I hope you have a great birthday. Cross out birthday writing Christmas. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, we it should, was, we should it was do that. Pretty good. So let's. What, what should our shirt say? We should do that for like you know Christmas cards that people send that are like the pictures of their families. We should cross out pictures of their. Just families. cross out their faces and put our faces yeah. over it. If it's a family of more than two people, then we just used our faces multiple times. <laughs> so it's like you and me are the parents, but also the children. <laughs> <laughs> and there's if they have more than two two dogs, we have Zeus and, Zeus and Zoe, and then we'll also. But one of our faces on their extra, extra pet. <laughs> Just some sort of nightmare card. <laughs> our fever dream. Our collective fever dream. <laughs> or just put our dog's faces on the adults and we're, we're on the pets. <laughs> Hope you have a rough Christmas. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> so sh- should our shirt just be our logo or should it You know, it'd be cute. If it was um, picture a picture of Zeus, a little picture of Zeus and Zoe above the reverse psychology logo, mm. I'll, I'll mock it up. Okay. Then we I'll can... mock it up. And if you're listening to this and you want a t-shirt and you can mock up a design, or if there's something that we've said that you like, you would like to see in our shirt. Mm-hmm. That's true. If you give us an idea that we really like, we will actually make a shirt and mail it to you. I know we've lied about this before. I To up the ante, I will wear the shirt first, go for a jog, and then I'll mail it to you unwashed. Do you think that would get more or less? You are kind of a stinky sweater. I know. That way they know I actually wore it. I love you, though. I love you, too. So let's talk about the messages we've been getting. Okay. I'm we not going to. We not, should stop, but we're not going to. In the last week, we've gotten three long, amazing messages. And instead of long, I'm going to reframe it as thoughtful. I didn't mean long as like a pejorative. I know, but sometimes I don't want the person who wrote and is listening with all of their friends and family together and then their friends would go, you were a long email. It, it, it was with multiple words, but comma thoughtful. The first one was kind of a kind of an email to me. It was. Although she did say she she likes you too. She thought I was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy these types of emails. Basically, it's like, how did you get to where you are in terms of um, the combination of degrees that i have mostly i just stumbled around I was like, how, yeah the question is how did you so carefully plan this course from the time you got into college onward? i just kept going to school because i was like i don't know what i want to do in this economy you gotta now i and now i'm at the point where like i guess i have to stop like what could i do from here you know yeah start over no i mean i just did one thing and then i was like well i kind of want to try this other thing that's kind of similar and then from there i like stumbled into the next thing in all seriousness like i'm really glad that i did this weird stumble into things because i really like where i am now in terms of my learning and expertise so people don't necessarily want to know like i guess how i got here but like why (laughs) 
Why'd you do it? Yeah. What the combination of degrees can do and like, like how they could possibly go, not in my footsteps, but around my footsteps. How, how can we avoid your missteps? <laughs> now that I'm here and I see other people who are similarly trained, I'm like, oh, that could have been so much easier. I Like it was not at all a linear path. It was very triangular. Triangular. Uh, I ended up back where I started. Yeah. Not really, but like an open triangle. Just a, such a, just a box. No, like a maybe just like a, cur- like, like a an, normal like curve. An angle? Whatever. I'm here now, and I'm doing good. And um, it's like one of those family circus cartoons where you see Billy climbing all over the neighborhood. Basically, the question is, yeah, <laughs> I want to distill it down. How? Yeah, did you this get- was way faster than just reading the email. Yeah. <laughs> How are you a school psychologist and PCBA? And what is doing? What is? What was the it? emphasis on it? it? Was like, how are you? Or is it how are you? Yeah, it, that was mostly that. Yeah. No, it was like, how do I combine those degrees? What does it do for you? Um, I was told. Where do you get blah, off? Blah blah blah. Um, is that right? The last part is usually like, how do you? You know, what's a licensed psychologist, and why can you do that? How can you do that being a school psychologist with a PhD? So um, bottom line, thanks for the email. And um, I hope it was helpful. I think we've talked about doing this before, but like topics in psychology and like how you get to be what you're doing now. Yeah. You know, maybe. That's a good idea. The other ones were like ideas about podcasts that we should do, which we also love. Um, I'm looking at one right now from Shauna. Thanks, Shauna. I have yet to respond and i'm sorry but i promise it's going to happen so shauna said i'm absolutely in love adoring and thankful of your podcast for so many reasons ah so nice and then she blah 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 words 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 <laughs> blah, blah blah bullshit 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 <laughs> and then at the end she says love you thank you both so much for being awesome and thank you for taking the time to read this you're bringing such a breath of much needed fresh air mm. well, thanks shauna but basically she was that a dig at the npr show fresh air well I could talk about that for another 35 minutes. Yeah. I'm not going to. Okay. Terry Gross, bad interviewer. She knows she what get to she where did. she was. She was, she was asking for a podcast or two about, about codependency. Dependency. Yeah, I love yeah, that. Yeah, this is a good one. So let's talk about that. I think that's more of your alley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Mark Paul, our favorite listener from New Zealand. Yeah. Probably maybe our only. <laughs> no, there's a couple of people from New Zealand. I think he's had some influence on people. But the D... Oh, just about antidepressants. When I told him, which I, I do think it's going to be a good idea, I think we should do a series on depression where you and I talk a little bit about behavioral treatments and just some theories behind it. And then we get some of our psychiatrist friends on to talk about things like antidepressants, uh, other therapies like TMS and ECT and stuff like that. Yeah, we have a uh, we have we have friends. <laughs> I'm looking at the map. We have 16 fans in Australia. Nice. Good day. Throw another shrimp on the barbie. And there sorry. They go. I'm sorry. Man. That's so bad. It was so nice to have him for... We have nine <laughs> in New Zealand. Oh, sweet. Thanks, Mark, Mark Paul. Mark it's Paul. all him. It's all him and his friends. Mark Paul, if you get nine more people, that would justify us doing a live show in New Zealand. <laughs> to, just visiting. To 18 people. I, that's what I told him. I was like, if you get us more, we'll, we'll go to New Zealand. We'll do a live show at a local bar. I mean, I'd bar. like to go there anyways. Yeah, but how cool would it be like... like not all of them are going to live in exactly the same place. Okay. New Zealand's a big place. I know. But how funny would it be to have a tour t-shirt, which is one place in New Zealand? Is New Zealand the place that did OK Boomer? Yes. And they also have that rad prime minister? Yes. And okay. they also... Lots of reasons to go. The Lord of the so Rings? Prime minister? Is that how you say it? I think, I think you pronounced it. Prime minister. Prime minister. Yeah. Okay. The prime minister. 
Lord of the Rings. Lord what of the Rings. else do we know about New Zealand? Um, there's something else I knew about New Zealand. Um, the Flight of the Concords are from New Zealand. Oh, my God. Maybe there are listeners. Oh, my God. <gasps> Brit, if it's you, Brit. I love you. Don't tell Mike, I love you so much. Jermaine, <laughs> if Brett and Diana take off, uh, you and I can just hang out. <laughs> I won't. I won't do a lot of stuff. I'll do some stuff. All right. Cool. So, topic. What are we talking about today? So this this topic is inspired by a uh, Tampa Bay Times article I read this week. Do you know who Bruce Arians is? The oh no, that's Bruce Arenas, the 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 ex coach of the U.S. national soccer team. Oh my God, I don't even know what you're saying right now. Bruce Arenas was a, a soccer coach. He is a soccer coach. Well, I'm, before I go into this, I'm going to say I'm going to need your help a little with this topic today because okay. it's real sports heavy. Mm. I'm super fascinated. Are you talking about the coach? Yeah. Oh, cool. No, Bruce no, no, Arenas. Not that coach. Oh, okay. A different coach. The Buccaneers, Bruce Arians. I think that's how you say it. Okay. A-R-I-A-N-S. Okay. Orions. This is the headline. Bucks, Bruce Arians rated among the worst coaches in the NFL. It makes sense. The, the subtext is... P-U. Forget the offensive's lack of touchdowns or the defense's lack of takeaways. Tampa Bay is missing something else. A grasp of risk management. So A grasp of risk management? Yeah. Okay. And so the reason that I thought that this was so fascinating and brought up this idea of the topic for me is that there's a whole subsection of behavior analysis that it's all about decisions in sports. Mm. And I'm I love a, that topic. I'm not a I'm not a yuck. You're a bit of a sporto. I'm a, I played. I mean, I I mean, a four year varsity letter in soccer. No big deal. You're you. I swam. You're a ball kicker. I swam. I played soccer, and now I run. Just in a straight line. I've never seen your turn around. So I know a little bit about sports, but not. I don't watch them except for soccer sometimes. Mm. I thought the Olympics went on, you know, in the background. You'll, you'll, you'll watch, you'll, you'll watch Olympics. I've only ever seen you like willingly watch soccer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Usually it's like. You'll tolerate if I'm watching college basketball. Yeah. Or baseball. Or ba- yeah. You'll, you'll go to games. Yeah. I love live sporting events. Yeah. Love. On TV, you're not super into it. Yeah. No, I just like it's so loud. Usually when we go to a live sporting events, especially hockey games, it makes me laugh the whole time because of how loud it is. It's ridiculous. It is so loud. Um, so, so we've ta- so we're, we're he's, talking about he's, The article says um, that he's one of the worst decision makers in the NFL, according to a study by Edge Sports. It's an analytics firm, and um, it placed him 31st above only the Bengals' Zach Taylor. As a part of its analysis, Edge Sports evaluated every coaching decision this season with a particular focus on plays, fourth downs, for example, in which there was a lot of win probability at stake. Of course, not all good decisions lead to favorable outcomes, blah, blah, blah. So the firm assessed the process, not the result. So basically his fourth down calls are really bad. And so he chose to punt on fourth and one from Tampa Bay 31 yard line. It's just like his decision making in these areas is like making him a terrible coach. Yeah. So yeah. What do you want to say? say So Malcolm Gladwell had a piece about decision making in sports. Mm -hmm. It was really good. And he talks a lot about people making decisions based on how it looks rather than what works. Mm -hmm. And so, for instance, like in football, if you never punt, you'll actually in the big picture, you'll end up getting more points. But like the, the conventional wisdom is like, oh, you punt and you punt 
every time on fourth down if you're not going to get it and all that but the analytics say that it's actually almost always better to go for it much like it's always better to go for two points rather than the point after attempt so interesting that you say that so thank you there's a researcher Derek reed y'all he studies behavioral economics behavior analyst but he wrote this really great chapter um where he talks about the quantitative analysis of sports Ah, which is part again like psychology behavior analysis is involved in a lot of things and this is really cool so there's a whole other subsection of behavior analysis in sports it's more sports psychology oriented Mm -hmm. this area of behavior analysis in sports is like the quantitative analysis and decision making so which is still in psychology too and Derek reed in his chapter references moneyball which is yeah i love moneyball yeah it's a good book that might Dr. Mike talks That's about another that. one where it talks a lot about we overly weigh what we can see. And so historically, at least, it's getting, baseball has been one of those sports that really has taken on stats in a big way. Mm-hmm. And which is funny because old coaches hate it. They're like, stats are ruining the game. Mm-hmm. And those are also the coaches that generally don't do super well anymore. So for instance, historically, players who hit home runs usually earn more money and they're like more highly gone after but people who hit more home runs are also much more likely to strike out yeah which can also just like really stop an inning but the more meaningful stat is how often you get on base and so people who like bunt really well or like get walked really well in Moneyball, they also talk about how like it used to be thought that a walk was the fault of the person who will pitch, mm. but really it's on the the batter. And so if if you find a batter who walks a lot, like that's really good. It means that they're like really like they're really patient, but they're also going to get on base way more often. But we we don't think about that when we think like who's a good baseball player. Sliding into home. Hands up full of foam. <laughs> like a remix of it so yeah I, I i just i love that idea of we value what we we see right as and opposed that's like to cognitive bias a, absolutely because you think about a good player you think about like home runs you don't think about a person that st- that stands and gets gets the ball thrown at him four times and he walks to yeah base. exactly you're not like that guy is hot to trot mm-hmm. so um derek reed writes about and you know this because you read the book the oakland a's uh had a budget of only 41 million and they competed with teams with much higher salaries but they did it like more smartly Mm -hmm. in the terms of their recruiting right so they ended up doing really well because they maximized outcomes from an economic approach and ironic that we're talking about this because you know who's currently doing that who the rays oh the rays the rays why wouldn't everyone do this? I think one of the, the best examples that's currently going on is the Rays, especially in the playoffs, they, they were the, the poorest team mm-hmm. in the playoffs by far. Mm-hmm. And Poor by money, not uh, by looks. Both, really. Hashtag sports. <laughs> Hashtag sports. <laughs> they, they, they just did not have the big name players and they were doing things that were just wrong, really. Like, from like a, playing in the worst stadium in the country. Yeah, that is also working against them. They like it's just so hard to be a fan of the Rays. But so at the beginning of this season, I think this started last season because their pitching was so poor. They started closers to pitch the first couple of innings, and then they had their starters pitch. Which and everyone in sports is like that is ridiculous. Like it's not going to work. Everyone's going to get hurt. Like you're gonna you're gonna burn through everyone. And now a year later, like tons of teams are doing that because they're like oh this actually keeps people fresh longer and it's it's a good way to, to use your pitchers and it's, it's i don't even know what that means but i'm gonna say that that was probably practice that was frowned upon and now is seen as yes. like more favorable the conventional wisdom is 
you have your starting pitcher. Oh, and then you burn them out until the, your closers come. Yep. And you have them go as long as they can. And so it used to be, oh, the ideal is they pitch the entire game. And then there's like worn out. But now the Rays will start someone for one inning. Mm. And then they'll put another person in for a couple of innings. So basically, if you're a batter, you're not seeing the same pitcher twice. They'll start the TV show, The Closer. Mm-hmm. All right. So back to Derek Reed. Did you know, do you know about Saber Metrics? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the whole yeah. baseball thing. Yeah. 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 So that is the statistical analysis that came out of baseball. Back to this chapter. There was a coach of a high school football team and we're talking about american football 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 not football football yeah so he was a high school coach who was a panel presenter at the mit sloan sports analytics conference in 2010 so again high school football coach headlining a conference about um elite sports who was his opener his team made um, such amazing gains over the season, and he decided that his team was gonna was never gonna punt on for fourth down. And he did this because he read the statistical accounts from things like sabermetrics. So he said, and again, I don't know what this means, but I'm just gonna read it. Um, hashtag sports. Uh, he learned that statistically, the offense, the offense converts over 75% of fourth down plays to first downs with a 33% chance of an offensive play series resulting in scoring. So anyways, he led his team to multiple state titles. So that mean, all that means is that... You're better off you, n- not punting on a fourth down. Yes, the, the chances of you on fourth down getting enough yards to get to a first down is high. And of those times a third of the time you're actually scoring, whereas you're never going to score in punting. Why do people punt then? Because it looks good? Well, because the conventional wisdom is that. We, because if you don't convert, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's it's a very like... It's risky. It's risky because if you don't... It's risk versus rewards. Absolutely. Because if you don't convert the fourth down, the other team gets the ball where you are. And so you punt it to give them worse field position. Do you think we're going to lose listeners on this? I think, I think we're going to get here's the thing okay this is coming out the day before thanksgiving <gasps> good call baby and we are helping our listeners have some real in america things american thanksgiving american like, thanksgiving yeah so if you're in china or you're in new but zealand it's a big football day and that's the world global mm-hmm. and so if football's on we're giving them talking points yeah that's right when impress some, your friends when that team goes to punt and forth grab your forehead go oh yeah. You have such a better chance of getting oh. it. And a third According of the time you're going to score. Metrics. Yeah. And then that your uncle, who is just an asshole, is going to be like, you are you know what? You're right on that. And you're probably right. On about, your politics. On your politics. Yeah. And in fact, I think that way so much that I'm not even going to talk about politics. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to give you the floor the whole evening. Yeah. So this is what we're doing. Okay. Well, good for us. Um, I'm going to move on from this because I... Basically, the foundation of this article is a, um, a scientific approach to that, that's talked about in behavior analysis. But before I do that, did you know there's a journal of quantitative analysis in sports? Mm-hmm. Okay, as, cool. a, as a tie into what you're talking about, the, the very beginning of the 
of this episode Mm -hmm. if this stuff is interesting for people like Mm -hmm. this is also an area of psychology that you you can easily go get your phd in so when people think about sports psychology they think about sports performance but yeah but this is not always that yeah so you can get your phd in quantitative psychology i'm on a listserv of sports jobs and there's tons of job openings all the time that are looking for people that are talented in collecting and analyzing data and informing sports strategy mike applied to a psychology position in the orioles i did i never heard back i'm so bummed out i wanted to be definitely don't have the training but i don't have the training but i have a podcast Uh, yeah that was a bummer yeah you don't always get what you want but you get what you need Mm -hmm. and i need a job with the orioles (laughs) or the tampa bay lightning oh all right do you apply to that no there's no opening Uh, what i want to talk about is the matching law do you know about the matching law probably only because i told you about it yeah, I want to say no because I don't think our listeners would know it. So I'm going to be the voice of the listener. Okay. It's not because you don't know. No, I don't know. What is it? <laughs> Wink. Um, so at its core, it's a mathematical model of operant choice. And at its skin, what is it? At its skin, it's why we make the decisions we make. Okay. And what's the stem? What's the stem? It's like a, like an apple. It's like a core, the skin, the oh, stem. Oh, core? And it's core i already said core yeah but i'm, I'm listing the parts of an apple M- mealy inner parts yeah this it, is granny smith oh is this a red delicious oh, i'm eating what an ironic Gross. name for the most disgusting it's apple disgusting so be, the basis the foundation of the matching law is individuals tend to divide their time and effort between two or more simultaneously available behavior options proportional to the reinforcement that is contingent on each So what does that mean in English? In behavior analysis, we talk a lot about reinforcement. I think we've talked about this before on here, but I'm just going to go for it again. Yeah. So when a behavior is reinforced, meaning that we engage in a behavior and it leads to something pleasurable. Mm -hmm. We get something for it. We get something for it. We're more likely to do that behavior again in the future. Let's say we spend all day cleaning the house and our spouse comes home and is like, Thank you so much. This is so wonderful. I brought you flowers for doing all this hard work. Just they like, already had the flowers? They knew you were cleaning. Oh. Just like Dr. Mike does all the time. I do. Yeah. He doesn't. But um, if it did all the time, it's no longer as reinforcing. Because you're expecting it. You're right. It. But sometimes you spread it out too much where it almost gets extinguished. Yeah. But then right before it okay, does. Okay. Sweet. All right. So here's the deal. All right. So if you have two different reinforcers available or two different rates of reinforcement available you're going to gravitate towards the reinforcer that's most that's more available so for example this is like basic basic behavior analysis basic bitch behavior analysis this is the pumpkin spice of behavior it is the ugg boots of behavior analysis i love my ugg slippers they started with like pigeon studies so they had one lever that led to one schedule reinforcement and another lever that led to a different rate of reinforcement and so basically what they learn and they exposed the pigeon to both and then what they learned are what they watched the pigeon do is gravitate towards the lever that provided more reinforcement more often. Mm-hmm. So they were able to differentiate and be yeah. like, oh, I'm going to get more fucking pellets from that one. Essentially, that's what it is, right? Like if you have... We're going to go to the one that we think is going to have a better payout. Right. And historically has had a better payout. Yes. Right. So Here's the interesting thing with sports, though. What? This makes me think of is we are really bad at like long-term planning. 
So one additional fun stat you can drop with your family is you're more likely to get a good payout on a player you draft later in the the series. Like your first round draft pick is usually not going to pan out. Hmm. And they're the most expensive player you're getting. You're better off trading away your first round pick and getting a bunch of people in like the like later rounds. Hmm. And this is like in all sports, except for probably basketball. But in most sports, you're better to save your money, get a bunch of players, and mm-hmm. you have a better chance of them being really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, where so, but but we think about like all these top round picks. They're so flashy and they're so good, and they're going to p- play out. So the deal with this matching behavior. Back to my point. Okay, I'm um, just trying to I'm trying to banter with thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I do love it. So the deal with the matching behavior that's really cool is that even if the behavior one behavior is a little bit more effort than the other behavior, if the reinforcement rate is higher, the person will engage in that behavior more. Like, for example, when you have a kid, this is my world, you have a kid doing a math worksheet and you have two different math worksheets. The kid will choose the more difficult worksheet within reason. So it can't be like so much harder, but within reason for a higher rate of reinforcement or a higher value of reinforcement. Again, this is kind of the foundation of the the, the machine law. Machine. Um. Got a matching head, it's better than the rest. So they've studied the matching law as related to a number of different socially important problems like employee absenteeism, teen pregnancy, and classroom behavior. These even stand in the face of the complexity of everyday environment. So these matching laws they found still apply even with the crazy noise, quote unquote, it was like more stuff happening in the environment than you would expect. So back to hashtag sports, there's actually an equation oh. for the matching law. I'm, oh, for real? Yeah, here, I'm going to show it to you right now so you believe me. There's a lot of logs in there. A lot of, got a lot of logs. <laughs> got a lot of log breakers. Got a lot of log breakers around here. So, yeah, there's a full mathematical equation that can predict things based on the past history of reinforcement. In this article, 2006, read et al. in the Journal of Applied Behavior Analysis, Java, as we say. It's super cool because it talks about football decision making. They wondered whether differences would be apparent in fitted parameters, blah, 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 generalized matching law. They talk about how different teams are regarded as like throwing teams versus rushing teams and blah, blah, blah. Russian teams? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We have no fans in so Russia, So during by the way. 2004, they say NFL teams rushed on 52% of first downs, but only on 24% of third downs. And they said, based on the matching law, it's reasonable to suggest that yardage gains associated with rushing and passing vary across game situations situations and thus situational patterns might manifest as changes in the generalized matching law. So what did they do? They retrieved data from archival sources between July and September 2005 from www.nfl.com. The data consisted of a number of passing and rushing plays executed and the net yards gained from those plays for each of the 32 NFL teams during each of the 16-game 2004 regular season. Okay. Um, what do you think they're going to find? Wait, so a lot of those words I, I kind of lost in this, this stream. So what were they looking for? They were looking at how teams made decisions on... Um, on first down? The difference between passing and rushing in terms of the reinforcement available. So do you think... Um, wait, 
So let me ask you a more specific question. Yeah, I, uh, I would imagine that they probably pass less the closer to the end zone they get. They probably also rush more earlier in the down series. Probably almost always pass on third down. All right. So what they found was, hmm, this is a lot. This is a long article for Java. Usually they're not. Oh, they did a bunch of studies in here. So they did game by game, individual team outcomes. Did, did, do. Did you know that you're much more likely to strike out in baseball if you swing on the first pitch? No, I did not know that. Yeah. It's, it's better to let the first one go, even if it's like straight down the middle. Okay. So what they found was that play calling influences yardage gained. So basically, if you pass or rush it does have an influence on the yardage gained. But the generalized matching law indicates that the reverse may also be true. So this is contextual. So based on the history of the team, if the yardage gained per incident of passing versus rushing is true, like if if that differs by team, then it's going to influence the calls. Mm-hmm. So like that, as I was saying, like one team could be a passing team, one could be a rushing team. So like historically, if, which so makes sense. Like if if yeah. a team gets more yards rushing, then they're going to rush more. Yeah. Which is interesting. Rushmore. Okay. I love the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, because when you think about like passing versus rushing too, there's like just from the absolute sense, there's higher reward in passing because you're going to get more yards usually than rushing. But there's also higher risk because you're probably a lot, there's less likely of losing the ball and losing possession on rushing. Whereas in passing, the, the chances of an interception is pretty high. So they found that the generalized matching law doesn't predict what kind of play you should use on any given down, but it predicts that as long as both passing and rushing yield yardage gains, both types of plays will be called occasionally. Again, based on the history of what that team does mm-hmm. in terms of success for the different types of calls. So if you were playing against a team and you had access to past data mm-hmm. would that help yes, you to predict yes. their strategy yeah, yeah yeah your glasses are like a bit off that's okay <laughs> that's how my life is so they did say that variables outside of matching relations may influence play calling so they say one traditional view of football play calling is that the run sets up the pass i don't know what that means oh it's like you rush until you pass yep okay you first yeah. down rush second down rush third Ooh, down rush uh, first down rush see how many yards you get and then you go from there Okay, you're so hot right now talking about these sports. I know. I can, um, I can tell you're getting turned on. So they say that several rushing attempts, regardless of yardage gained, the offensive coordinator may call for a passing play. Even though you may statistically be better off if you keep rushing, mm-hmm. they might just call for a passing play because of the optics of it, like you were saying. Yep. Thus, calling a passing play amid a chain of rushing plays creates a sense of uncertainty in the defense future play series. So like you were saying, like basically if you look at the history of a team and you're like oh i know what they're gonna do more of based on their past history Mm. the coach may change it up because they want to throw you off yes and good coaches can do that but Mm -hmm. also bad coaches like the tampa bay bucks coach probably can't do that all right so one more conclusion they also say that the problem also with human i mean this is a problem with human behavior in general is like the coaches of certain teams haven't always been a coach for that team and that team also the dynamic of it has changed over time so it's hard to be influenced by one particular arrangement of players in one particular season Mm -hmm. because the coach has a history of learning Mm -hmm. and the team has a history of changing so it's just about calibrating to 
that current team and making the best decisions available based on what that current team is doing. Right. And that's hard for some coaches. It takes flexibility. This is really cool. So they were saying that, is it important to kind of know the statistics of your calls? To know your own statistics? Yeah, to know your own statistics. I would imagine so. Yeah, and they said that um, successful offensive teams tend to show steeper matching slopes and more pronounced rushing biases than unsuccessful ones. So the more often in the in offensive decisions, you make decisions based on past gains in rushing, the more successful you're going to be offensively. I mean, there's a lot in this article. It's really, really dense, but we're checking out if you're into this stuff. I hope you learned something. Hope you have some talking points for your family if you're celebrating American Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And if you're not and you just want to be cool, also just bring it up at the water cooler at work. Mm Mm-hmm. At your local sports. Hopefully you're not working Thursday, maybe. I don't know. Hopefully not. Or Friday, if you're working Black Friday here in the United States. Mm. Godspeed. Yeah. Go to Small Business Black Friday. Yep. What is it called? Shop local. Small Business Saturday. And Cyber Monday, Taco Tuesday, We Work Wednesday. Hump Day Thursday. Which is confusing. (laughs) Don't worry. And then back to Black Friday. Are you going to do Black Friday shopping? No, I have work. I have work. I have a job. Um, well, are, you doing, too. are you doing Black Friday shopping? I mean, I'll take your parents somewhere. Yeah. Oh, my parents would fucking love that. Oh, wow. Okay. They would be jazzed if you took them somewhere. Really? Yeah. Well, I don't know what to do with them now. Take them roller skating. <laughs> okay. I was thinking after our massage yesterday, I was like, I wonder if my parents would like a massage. I don't know. Your mom would be too anxious. My mom would be too anxious. And I feel like my dad would just be uncomfortable. Like, like, and when the masseuse is like, undress to your comfort level, I feel like my dad would like leave his <laughs> jean shorts and shirt and bubble vest on and just be laying under the covers completely. He somehow brought more clothes with him. His socks too. Socks are on. He's like, I feel vulnerable just, on my feet. He just untied his shoes and that's it. <laughs> Or alternatively, I feel like my dad might just get completely nude, lay on top of the cover because he didn't completely understand. <laughs> either way, I was like, I, either way, he's going to not super like, like it. it. And I feel like my mom just like, just on principle, like she would end up giving the masseuse a massage because <laughs> it'd probably make her feel more comfortable. How would that arrangement occur even? She, they, this masseuse just comes back in. Your mom's completely dressed sitting on the edge of the yeah, she's like, he, mattress. Here, I'll, sh- I'll show you what I want. And yeah. then the masseuse lays it on. My mom gives her a full hour massage and then pays her. <laughs> gives her a 100% tip. Oh, man. <laughs> be right. fun. We're going to go to the lightning game. Go out to eat. Going running race on Thursday. Yeah, goody, goody. goody if, if you're listening goody. to this and you're in the, the greater Tampa area, we're going to be down at the goody, goody running. Come see us. Cheer us on. Cheer us on. Make a sign. If you make a sign, we'll make a t-shirt. <laughs> If I was running the goody goody and I saw someone holding up a reverse psychology sign, I would probably pee my pants in that moment. Don't make fun of me. I'm not. I love you. I love you too. Bye. Bye. You are such a. You're such an o- toast overloader. It's toast, but it's a peanut butter and jelly with tons of jelly. You're just an excess. You're just a person who lives in excess. Mm-hmm. You, your butter on your toast. The first time I saw you put butter on toast, I thought it was cheese. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yes, there's so much of it. Yeah, like slices. It's mostly mostly in, in it. Like a, I'm not patient. It's hard to spread butter. But it's so much. I mean, I can see like little pats of butter. You, mm-hmm. You're like. Like giant cheese. Yeah, I just put the stick of it time. on there.
Whatever I don't. It's so crazy to me. I just grew up. When, sorry. When, how'd you grow up? I grew up. Um, More than enough? I did, but. Hey. It's our neighbor. Which one? Rob. Hey, Rob. We're recording. Rob, can you not leave your house while we're recording? It really upsets our dogs. 